feeling better, looking better, making life better. It's Life Tips. Life, life, life. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life tips. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tip Show, everyone. Byron here with Mike Stollard. Mike, welcome. Thank you, Byron. Nice to be with you. Indeed. So we're going to talk a little bit about culture today and your fabulous new book, Congratulations, by way, called Connection Culture, the Competitive Advantage of Shared Identity, Empathy, and Understanding at Work, which translates into Please Help Us with Work. <laughs> so, without further ado, my first question is, interesting, uh, you know, two words you're putting together, connection and culture. Can you explain that for us? Yes. Um, the way we look at it, just the research we've done, Byron, the, there are three, primarily three types of cultures in the workplace, a culture of control, a culture of indifference to people, and a culture of connection where they have that relational support rather than feeling unsupported, left out, or lonely. Mm-hmm. And and when you say lonely, that's a powerful word. How does lonely fit into the workplace? Well, in cultures of indifference in particular, uh, people are so busy with tasks, with email, and um, often the, the management of the firm um, has too many things they're trying to accomplish. There's a lack of focus. And so they're overwhelmed, and they don't have time to develop relationships so they don't have that relational support, and that makes them vulnerable to stress, anxiety, uh, depression, and addiction. Hmm. Tell us a little bit about your insights on how we're designing actual workspace now and how that's changed over the years and how it affects our culture. Well, um, I think more managers are becoming leaders, and I, when, I, when I say that, I mean they're connecting with the people they're responsible for leading so that they want to follow them. and. But in doing that, they're they're in essence creating culture, which is they're use, they're developing attitudes, um, language, and behavior that makes people feel a sense of connection towards the group. They feel included rather than left out. Hmm. How dependent is a company's success on its culture? It's very dependent. <laughs> um, because uh, culture affects our, you think about it, just over the course of your experiences at work, I bet you've experienced times when you felt fired up and other times when you felt like you were burned out, and yet, or you were burning out. <laughs> and yet, um, it wasn't you that changed, more than likely, it was the environment that you're in. And that environment, that culture, when it energizes us, when it makes us more enthusiastic, uh, better decision makers, more creative, that has an effect on the organization's bottom line. Hmm. Speaking of fired up and burned out, you actually wrote a book, an author of, you're the author of Fired Up and Burned Out. What was your, I don't want to talk about that too much, but what was your motivation and incentive for writing that book? And what have you gotten out of writing that book? I'm curious. Well, the first book came out in 2007, Fired Up or Burned Out, and that's when I introduced the idea of connection culture. Um, it, uh, that, there were several experiences, but one that was really powerful was when I worked on Wall Street. I worked on a lot of mergers. I saw a lot of mergers over my career, and I saw that cultures were very different, Byron. 
some cultures and organizations um, in, in the mergers oftentimes the cultures didn't blend and it sabotaged the post-merger results I bet a lot uh -huh. of your audience has probably experienced that uh -huh. and that got me very interested in which culture is best and, and that kind of opened the door for me to do the research and create a firm e pluribus partners which focuses on corporate culture and helping organizations create the best corporate cultures Tell me more about that. I'm very interested in that merger uh, concept and, and how cultures change. I mean, no matter what, the, the culture of two companies is very hard to, to put together, if you will. Doesn't there have to be a, a dominant, if you will, that, that surfaces from a merger? And how does that work? Well, there, there does. And usually it's the firm that's perceived as the, the one that has the most power, the choir <laughs> Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, one firm is usually perceived as being superior to the other, mm -hmm. and it's usually that firm that has the power, and, and they tend to dominate. But what I challenge, see, and we also do post-merger integration work, um, what I challenge uh, leadership teams to do in a merger is, let's really, uh, let's look at your culture, and let's choose the aspects of um, the, the best from both of your cultures. Now, one, um, I have an article coming out in the Journal of the American Management Association this summer about uh, Pfizer. And one of the things I love uh, years ago, Pfizer acquired Warner Lambert Corporation, and Warner Lambert called its employees colleagues. And the Pfizer leadership said, we like that. We think that is more respectful of our employees. And so from now on, we're going to take the Warner Lambert practice of calling employees, um, describing them as colleagues, because we're all in this together. Isn't that wonderful? It's a great example of humility on the part of leadership and how it plays out in a merger. Hmm. Could you explain about in the book a little bit about how you define culture and, you know, is it is it what people do versus how they act, you know, versus, you know, ping pong Friday, you know, how, how, do, how does uh, define culture for us? Right. Um, I break it down to, you know, culture has been, unfortunately, has uh, come to mean everything, <laughs> which <laughs> means nothing. It's not very practical. Mm. So we boil it down to three things. Attitudes, you know, how we feel or think about uh, things that affect behavior. Language, the system of words or signs that people use to express those thoughts and feelings to each other. And then finally, the way people act. That's the behavior part. And just as a quick example, an attitude you'll find in all top-performing teams and organizations is that excellence in performance is important. Now, you might see it in language. Um, they might talk about sweat the details meetings. Or uh, I know uh, in the new book, I describe one organization where we heard the phrase, we strive for perfection but settle for excellence. See, those are words that reinforce that attitude that excellence is important. And of course, there are behaviors that support that, too. They incorporate feedback, they measure quality and performance, they put uh, fail-safe or backup processes in place. So all those things, those attitudes, language, and behavior are aligned to encourage excellence um, in the organization's performance. What do you see as the biggest problem with culture in, in, in most companies? Obviously impossible to generalize, and I'm sure every company has their own problem, but could you talk generally and, and, and go into some depth on the problems that you see with our culture and the work environment? Well, the primary problem I see is that organizations don't really have a language. They don't really understand it uh, because they don't have a language and they don't understand it. They're not intentional about developing it. And so the default is we drift towards cultures of indifference or cultures of control rather than cultures of connection. We have to be intentional about creating cultures of connection where everybody feels like part of the team. 
That's what this book is about, to really help leaders create those cultures and also help individuals understand what type of culture is going to bring out the best in them. What are the elements of, of change, cultural change? Well, it's, it, it does um, go back to those things I just talked about. Um, it, it's helping people understand, you know, what are the most uh, productive attitudes to have? Uh, what language can we use so that we're talking about the values and attitudes that we want to adopt as a group? And then what behaviors um, really live, bring that um, about in the organization that affects our performance? So it goes back to attitudes, language, and behavior once again. Could you give us some examples and describe the best cultural environments that you've ever seen and not only what's great about them, but what are the elements of them? Sure. Well, one of my favorite examples, Byron, is the rock band U2. You know, here's a band that in the 70s, when they started, people laughed at them or booed them. And yet today, they have won, they have received more Grammy Awards than any band in history, and they surpassed the Rolling Stones for the highest revenue-producing tour in history. You know, how did that happen? It's an amazing transformation. And they've been together for four decades now, which is quite an accomplishment in and of itself. And Bono, the lead singer, says that um, the way we operate is more extraordinary than our music. And what he's alluding to is their culture, because they're, the way I describe it is um, Bono is a leader. He communicates an inspiring vision, values people, and gives them a voice. You see that in U2's vision, which is to promote human rights and social justice. You see that in the way Bono and the bandmates value each other. They've been there for each other during tough times in life. Um, Adam Clayton had a drug addiction that the guys helped him get over. Uh, Bono had experienced a death of threat that um, you know the guys were looking out for him to protect him. Uh, uh, Edge, the lead guitar player, went through a divorce. The guys were there to help him get through that. You also see it in the way Bono uh, recognizes his bandmates. He's always lifting them up with his comments about their character or their competence as musicians. So he really values them. And they all have a voice because they have a consensus-oriented decision-making style where if any of the members strongly opposes a particular decision, they won't go that way. So it gives them all a voice. Vision, value, and voice creates this culture of connection. Hmm. Does culture extend beyond the walls of a particular office and perhaps even out into the customer base? Well, it depends how it certainly affects the customer base because you, know, you think about our own experiences when we walk into a retailer, for example. Um, we can usually get a sense of the culture just in the way the people we interact with, the way they treat us, how we observe them treating one another. So in that sense, it does affect customers. So in, in, with more organizations, they're trying to create um, communities of ambassadors and customers. And in that case, it even has a greater effect because they're hoping that their customers will embrace um, some of their values and that they'll connect through, uh, through similar values and interests. So just depending upon the strength of the relationship and the amount of involvement a customer has, yes, it will definitely affect the customer. Hmm. Let's take a break, everyone, and when we're back, I want to focus on what we can do to really change our companies, improve our companies. What, 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 what can we do? What is our task list and punch list to make that happen? Back in just a minute, everyone. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. 
As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back. I'm here with Mike. Mike, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Byron. Mike, before you prescribe how we can all fix our, our, our cultures, I just want to ask you a couple more questions about analyzing our cultures. Um, Let's just take my company, for example. We try and do a lot here with, with physical things, like we have ping pong table, and we have uh, uh, in Boston here, everyone gets a, a, a Hubway bike pass so they can just take a bike for 20 minutes anywhere in the city, and it might help their commute time. You know, can you talk with us about culture, building culture from a leadership perspective versus, you know, with material things like I'm telling you, ping pong tables, Friday free lunch we also do, you know, uh, these kinds of things versus real communicative culture like I think, you know, you, you dive into with your book. Can you distinguish those and talk with us about those extremes? Sure. Um, you know, you, you stop and think about it. You have um, organizational processes like employee engagement surveys um, affect culture because they give employees a voice and they hold leaders accountable. So that's one type. Um, you know, more and more organizations are thinking about the design of their offices and how that affects collaboration. You know, uh, Steve Jobs' involvement in the design of Pixar's offices is one great example. They have um, uh, centralized the uh, restrooms and cafeteria and meeting spaces. It kind of forces everyone to come into a central area and increases the probability that um, connections will take place. And uh, Tony Shea at uh, Zappos is doing the same thing, but extending it beyond uh, the walls of the Zappos organization to also uh, create uh, high probability connections in the broader community. We have this really interesting experiment there. Um, we're big fans of, um, you know, just to give a few concrete examples, I, I love the knowledge flow process. This is a, how we teach leaders to conduct meetings that are more interactive. Um, we help them understand you know, that they need to begin by putting their cards on the table, sharing what they're thinking about a particular issue, and then letting people know that they don't have a monopoly on good ideas, and so what's right, what's wrong, what's missing from their thinking. And if people really respond to those three questions, it gives them a voice, it makes them feel more valued because the leader has the humility to seek their opinions and ideas and consider them. And um, in those conversations, it also helps align them with the vision of the organization because you're looking at, ultimately, this meeting is in some way connected to the performance of the organization. So it touches on those three things, vision, value, voice. Hmm. Wow. I need to digest vision, value, voice, and analyze all the things I'm doing. I don't think I'm doing all of those things. But back, back, back to the 
to the the, the core. If 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 I'm trying to um, and by the way, do I want to bring as a leader different cultures to different groups of people? Is that possible? Do you do you sense there are weaknesses within your team, let's say, and you do therefore different things culturally to try to strengthen the team and, and the bond and create a better culture around that? Well, the the whole um, culture of connection versus culture of control or culture of indifference that that's universal. It really is based on underlying human needs and. You find in all languages there are these words that uh, connote uh, connection. Um, Itaken in Japan means a, uh, a sense of uh, connection among a group of people, or Ubuntu across Africa is connection to the community. So it really is a universal phenomenon. Now, there are differences in culture, Byron, in terms of you think of a sales culture versus an engineering culture. Those are going to be different cultures. Um, and those are ways that are relevant to differences in culture, but those human beings in those cultures need connection. If that need for connection is not met, they will dysfunction. And so the book that we've put out, Connection Culture, and also we do have a website, connectionculture.com, that has a nine-question quiz that people can take that will give them a sense of what type of culture they're living in and whether it's a culture that is life-giving or draining the life out of them. Way cool. What's the email address? Is that online? Is that something that people can access online? Yes. If they just go to connectionculture.com, they'll see on the front page a link to take the nine-question culture quiz. Hmm. What kind of uh, time is required to invest in developing a better culture in your company if you're a leader? Boy, is that a great question. (laughs) Because it's interesting, the predominant thinking is that culture takes a long time to change. And it's helpful to understand why that is, because oftentimes the culture of an organization is being changed at the subculture level. So maybe the manager of a local uh, business or a particular business unit in a large organization that all resides in the same place, they're trying to change their local culture. And that can actually happen quite fast, but obviously it takes much longer for that to affect the rest of the organization. But if a leader at the top is intentional, really has conviction about what a healthy culture is, and they're intentional about creating it, it can happen very quickly. And one of the examples I write about in the book, Byron, is um, Admiral Vern Clark, who was the chief of the Navy from 2000 to 2005. When he came in, he put a leadership team in place, and within 18 months, the Navy's first-term reenlistment went from under 38%, which is their goal, to 57% within 18 months. The Navy had more sailors than they knew what to do with. They didn't want to leave. They loved the Navy's connection culture. So things can happen quickly if it starts at the top, but people shouldn't be discouraged. It doesn't always have to start at the top because the culture that's the most important is the subculture because that's what we're living in day to day. What kind of return on investment can a leader expect by investing the time and or money into cultural development? Is there an ROI or a KPI that comes out of this investment? Well, the the research shows, the research that's been done shows that the employee who feels a sense of connection to the organization, and let me just define that a little more, they feel connected to their supervisor, the people they work with, their organization's uh, mission, its values, its reputation, um, the senior management. They feel connected to their job because it's a good fit with their strengths and not so challenging that it uh, stresses them out or under-challenging that they're bored. Those types of connection 
have an effect on employee performance. And the employee who feels connected on average is 20% more productive than the overall average employee. So in other words, they get an extra day of productivity in a five-day work week. Huh. Do employees tend to stay longer at work in overall average, or does that drop off over a certain period of time? Or, for example, if you're building a culture where you want people to work harder, not necessarily smarter, just longer hours, can you do that? I mean, you know, what does a leader see? I guess I, I'm, I'm still fighting with that. You know, I want an ROI. I want to see productivity increase seven percent if I spend five hours a week. You know, on on these issues, and if I spend X dollar amounts on 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 perks and benefits and cultural enhancements, that I'll see X Y Z. Is it possible to do that yet? Well, just the the research that's been done shows that um, employees who feel connected are eighty seven percent less likely to leave than huh. the average employee. Uh-huh. And also, um, the research that has been done, every measure that has been assessed in research shows that employees who feel connected in business units, um, or I'm sorry, those business units where there's a higher degree of uh, connection as reported by employees, they perform better on every measure assessed. So, and this is, the most research that's been done is by the Gallup organization, and that's the research that I'm referring to. It's called employee engagement research, and when you look at the questionnaire they use, the Q12, they're basically assessing that degree of connection that I talk about. In fact, the most important question on that test, believe it or not, is in terms of the effect of employee engagement is, do you have a best friend at work? Now, a lot of executives feel Rightly so, that you, know, I can't hold, you can't hold me accountable for creating best friends at work. But Gallup's um, reply is, well, that's what the data says. That's the most important question. And that makes sense if you realize how powerful connection is. And it's, I don't think it's fair to hold managers responsible for creating best friends at work. But I do think they can create connection culture, so there's a higher probability that connection will exist. And it has an effect on the employee and the business unit's performance. Hmm. So in the in the chap in the the book, I have a chapter on the science of connection that has um, the research that shows how well. I love what the neuroscientist Matthew Lieberman at UCLA says. He calls connection a superpower because it makes us more productive, it makes us healthier, and also happier. And no surprise, it also affects organizational results. And we lay out all that research in the book, as well as we show that our broader society is becoming less connected. So people are coming to work with a greater need for connection. What do employees seem to want the most as elements of their culture? Gallup has done some really interesting research on this, and one of the things that really jumped out at me that I, I have in the research chapter is that when it comes to engagement and really feeling a sense of satisfaction and um, joy from your work, it's more important who you work with than what you're doing. Now, that surprised me. That was counterintuitive to me, and I'm doing all this research on connection, but that's what the, re- that's what the data shows, that um, we really are influenced by the people around us, and um, when we're in a culture that's supportive we just experience much more joy in life. And so that's what a lot of employees are looking for is a sense of satisfaction. Hmm. But doesn't that mean if you're going to change culture, you might need to change the people in your, in your, in your tribe? Well, that's possible. <laughs> um, you can also um, 
another thing is, and one of the reasons we wrote the book, you know, the book, the body of the book is about 100 pages long. Now, there's another uh, 60 pages in the appendix of additional uh, material, but we wanted to make it a book that was really practical. So we have 15 building blocks to help uh, managers create connection cultures. And so there, there are very tangible things you can do. And because, as I pointed out earlier, Byron, that um, uh, it's the subculture, the local culture that we're in that has the greatest impact on us. And so we also have the ability to affect that culture. You know, we're not trying to, it'd be great if we could change the culture of the entire firm, but that's not always, you know, usually not possible. But what we can do is affect our local culture, and that's what has the greatest impact anyway. Mike, I just want to thank you for being on today. This has been a really fun and and engaging and and culturally betterment type of show. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you, Byron. I really appreciate the opportunity. One final question. Who would you like, well, I'll make it two. Who would you like to get a hold of you, and how can they get a hold of you? Uh, they can contact me through our, uh, I have a blog, michaelleestaller.com, and I would encourage them to take a look at the new website, Connection Culture. There are a lot of resources. We have some of the top thinkers on Connection who are writing articles, and we're adding, uh, uh, just supporting resources all the time. And uh, so I would encourage them to take a look at theirs. There's a lot of resources out there available. Once again, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you, Byron. Hope your life's a little smarter and better and faster and wiser, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're uh, culturally bettered and uh, as a result of the show as well. Thanks again. See you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.